Well, we did it. Pasha and I finally moved. We left Texas for California and we're now residents of the Bay Area, right here in the heart of Silicon Valley. And yes, I know, everyone keeps telling me everybody's leaving the Bay Area. Everybody's moving to Texas. I get it. I get it. I hear it. You keep telling me that. But you know what? Surprisingly enough, when we got here, there are actually people still here. Lots of people. And we weren't following migration patterns anyway. Our move to the San Francisco Bay Area was primarily to pursue a career opportunity for Pasha. He's accepted a teaching position at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music Pre-College, which is a really prestigious and renowned program, and I couldn't be more excited for him and more proud of him, so way to go, Pasha. But in all honesty and being fully transparent, it wasn't just coming to California. There was certainly a decision to leave Austin, and I'm not going to bore you with all the reasons, but let's just say that Austin isn't what it used to be. Obviously, right? Places change. But the changes just weren't in alignment with what we wanted for our lives. And so here we are. And I am recording this podcast on day 19 of living in California. And to be perfectly honest with you, it has been a bittersweet transition. I think it was on day two that my mom called to check on me and I just sat and cried on the phone with her. Yes, I was an absolute mess, a 40-year-old man crying on the phone with his mother. Oh my God, what have I done? I kept asking, what have I done? And then my in-laws called and I cried on the phone with them. And then I find out that Pasha had just gotten off the phone with them when he had been doing the exact same thing, crying to them, what have I done? What have I done? So, you know, messes, just, just complete messes. But I can report today, day 19, that the crying has stopped, mostly. But, you know, really, Austin was good to us. I moved to Austin in 2004 for graduate school at the University of Texas. I started my first business there. I was deeply involved with the community there for a really long time. It's where Pasha and I met and got married. It's where we bought our first home. There were just a lot of memories created there in Austin. And in our leaving, it brought up some stuff for me. Some stuff which I'm sure is still brewing inside. But most acutely, it has been this awareness of the state that I had settled into in Austin. And it's, it was a state of comfort. And I know some of you are saying to yourself, well, what's wrong with being comfortable? And I agree, there's nothing wrong with comfort so long as that's a state that you've chosen and a state where you have intentionally arrived. What I'm talking about, in my case, isn't that. It was more like a state that I'd settled into. It was a state that snuck up on me, a state that I didn't choose, but had allowed to happen. And worst of all is I've been living in this state of denial about all of it. I mean, this was an unsettling realization because I study mindset so much. I even wrote a book about it. And in that book, I even wrote, for a person who wants to grow, comfort is the enemy. And by God, I identify as somebody who wants to grow. And yet, even with that knowledge, I slipped into this state of what I can only describe as like sticky comfort. And that stickiness became clear as soon as that state was interrupted, 
when I was forced out of that state. And I noticed it when I started paying attention to my behavior and my emotions and how I was treating the people around me and and how I was feeling. My reaction to all of this, losing this, this state, this sticky state of comfort was surprising because it wasn't just a crying on the phone with anybody who would listen, but it was also just like major frustration and anger and even hostility. I'd throw myself out of this posh lifestyle I created, and I was just like this mad, wet hen. You see, what I'm realizing is that this state of comfort was created for me by a lot of preferences or nice-to-haves. And those nice-to-haves somewhere along the way turned into what I believed were have-to-haves. And then I turned that up a notch even higher when they became things that were have to have in order to survive. I mean, I'll admit, these were some pretty stupid things. And so just for your entertainment, I'll give you a few, okay? These are things that I thought I just had to have to survive, right? So I don't have to get my hair cut from Sarah. I had for years. I enjoyed it. I thought she was great. I thought I had to get my hair cut by Sarah. But you know what? The nice man down the street gave me a haircut, and it's just fine and dandy. I'm okay. I didn't think that I could survive without my grocery store. I mean, have you been to a central market in Austin? They are amazing. The fresh tortillas alone are worth the trip, but turns out they have food in California. Really good food, actually. I lived in a building in Austin with fiber internet. Fiber internet is super fast, and I nearly had a full-on meltdown when I discovered that fiber isn't available in my new neighborhood. I live in Silicon Valley. How the hell is there not fiber? But guess what? I'm doing just fine with the internet that I have. And then we're unpacking, and Pasha looks to me, and he says, where's the dishwasher? Jesus, Joseph, and Mary, no dishwasher for what we're paying for this place? Are you kidding me? Okay, so I'm still a little pissed off about the dishwasher thing, but you know what? I'm still alive and I'm doing all right. And what I'm realizing is that all of these things and more, and trust me, there is a long list going through my head that I'm processing through. These are all things that are opportunities for me to learn more about myself and lessons that I can share with you. You see, for the last several years in Austin, I created the most comfortable situation possible at the expense of my growth. And we've been talking about leaving Austin for years, but all these little things were created one by one, bars of an invisible prison. Yes, a very comfortable prison, but a prison nonetheless one that stunted our growth and allowed us to remain delusional in our thinking that we were really growing. The mortgage, the memories, the reputation, the familiarity, some things that were real that I actually have to deal with in this move, but many things that were just imagined. But all of which were bars on this self-constructed prison that limited my potential for growth. Far more famous than even Alcatraz. We know this prison is the comfort zone. 
And so on today's podcast, we're going to explore comfort and what lies on the other side of comfort. But first, I want to tell you where you can get a free copy of my new best-selling book. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating. That helps other listeners discover the podcast, and I certainly appreciate it. The podcast is sponsored by the Institute for Human Progress and Development, who have also generously agreed to give you a free copy of my book, Break and Untangle. To get your free copy, just visit my website, chadpv.com forward slash free book, and let us know where to send it. You can find that link in the program notes. Thank you so much for listening. Now back to the program. How is it that we intellectually know that comfort is the enemy of our growth and yet we'll do anything to stay there? I know in my head that if I want to grow, that I have to move beyond comfortable and move through challenge. But for some reason, we allow ourselves to slip into the state of comfort. We seek homeostasis. And what's worse is we then lie to ourselves about our state of growth. Why is that? Well, before we can answer why, first we have to come to recognize the side effects of our comfort. What do I mean by that? Well, what am I experiencing in my life now? We have to bring awareness to where we are. And I can tell you that for me, the side effects of comfort were things like boredom, aimlessness. I was comparing myself to other people. I was getting too involved in other people's problems. These were all ways that comfort had become toxic for me. I think we disguise our comfort to the point that we don't recognize it as comfortable anymore, but we see it as something else entirely. We'll say things to ourselves like, well, that's just the way it is, which is really making ourselves the victim of our own created circumstances. We come to see our lives as a reward for all our hard work. We brag about how hard we worked for this posh lifestyle, and yet secretly, we're miserable within ourselves. People who are growing, you see, they don't have time to criticize others. And yet people who are comfortable criticize or compare themselves to others as a sort of backward way of criticizing themselves. We hear people say all the time, you got to move beyond your comfort zone. You got to get out of your comfort zone. But the comfort zone is dynamic. It's always there because we keep creating it. We'll either achieve what we're after or we'll adjust our expectations, but either way, we will find our way back to comfort. So to answer the question we started with, why do we seek comfort even though we know it's the enemy of growth? Well, as I write in my book, our brains are survival machines. Our brains are survival machines. They seek the familiar, in order to diminish threats. So in seeking comfort, our brain is just doing what it was built to do. Find safety and familiarity. But it's your mind, it's your awareness, it's your consciousness that you're able to push through the survival instinct and actually thrive. And that distinction, the distinction between our brain as an organ that functions as an organ of survival, the difference between that and our mind, and our awareness of our consciousness, that distinction, that little distinction, 
makes all the difference in the world. Why do we see successful people, people who we look at and think they have the whole world going for them, why do we hear stories of them being miserable? Well, they're successful in a way that they thought would bring happiness, but their success really only brought boredom. Why is that? They forgot the function of their brain is different than the power of their mind. Their brain did exactly what it was supposed to. They figured out a way to survive, but the mind went unattended. And that's the difference. The point of this life is to live it, to go do something, go try something, pursue that thing that makes you feel most alive, go for your dreams. Because, I mean, let's be honest, what else are you doing? What else are you doing? You were put here on earth to live. And yet we keep retreating and going back into the place that feels safe and familiar. What else do you have to do except chase your dreams? Most people are living in a self-constructed prison of things they have decided they have to do. Self-constructed because we've created this prison bar by bar with each decision we make about bullshit that we have decided, we decided is important. Now, does that mean that nothing is important in our lives and we should just all live without commitment or constraint? No, absolutely not. The point I'm making is that most of the things we have made important were either not consciously decided, they were created by default, out of our routine, or we inherited them, or we are using those things that we decided are important to mask our fear of actually living. How many things are you letting run your life that you think you just have to do? What makes up the bars of your self-constructed prison? How are your attachment to those things keeping your life from working? How is your attachment to those have-to-haves keeping you from living your life? You see, comfort says, I like this prison. Growth says, I want to feel more alive. And by the way, neither is wrong, but either can be wrong if it's unintentional. So what lies on the other side of comfort? Let's wrap up with these ideas. I'm going to share three things that I think about when I think about what lies on the other side of comfort. Number one, your life, living full out, your messy, complicated, wonderful life. Do you really want on your tombstone, he was appropriate? <laughs> you know, he was put together. Is that really what you want on your tombstone? Like, live, go live. When you move outside of your comfort, it is by definition going to be uncomfortable. And you're going to find all the ways that you experience what you know as discomfort. And you can choose to experience that discomfort as misery, or you can choose to experience it as something else. Let me be honest with you. I really wanted to bitch and complain, and I still find myself to this day wanting to bitch and complain about this move. And if I do, when I do, I am choosing how to experience this move. It's my choice to experience it as something negative. It can also be my choice to experience it as something exciting and life-changing. So what lies on the other side of comfort? Number one, your life. Number two, clarity. When you grow, you experience things like breakthroughs. We break through a bar barrier. We come out on the other side. 
all ways that our language tries to communicate this clearing that occurs in our lives. When we're able to get an unobstructed view, we experience more clarity. So when we move beyond the comfort zone, what lies on the other side of comfort? More clarity, a less obstructed view. You've moved through the crap, the bars of that prison, and you're able to see more things with less obstruction. Number three, what lies on the other side of comfort? Ironically, more comfort. You see, the function of our brain, you can't forget, the function of our brain, we will seek to recreate comfort. We will want to return to a state of homeostasis. We will seek out comfort once again. Once we break through this barrier that we're facing right now, it only makes the next barrier more clear. We begin the process all over again of creating what we know as comfortable. So the goal isn't to alleviate comfort because our brain is always going to try to create that certainty, that safety, that familiarity. And I don't think it's even to develop this constant state of growth mindset. But I think, it, I think the goal is to become aware of ourselves at any state so that wherever we are, we chose it. We, we caused it to recognize what is in this moment, to know what is, is, and that we are here by intention, not by default. And can we continue to continually seek that which pushes us to feel more alive? That's something I don't think ever changes. We constantly move toward that which makes us feel more alive. To realize that our perfectly functioning brains will seek comfort, but to feel alive, we have to challenge our minds. We have to become aware of that distinction because in that distinction is where we find meaningful satisfaction. In that distinction is where we no longer see ourselves as the effect of our circumstances, but the cause. Comfort is seeing your life as the effect of the satisfying conditions that exist in your life. Growth is constantly being the cause of those conditions. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm Chad PV. Be sure to subscribe and leave five stars. I wish you joy, peace, and happiness, good health and well-being, a life of ease and prosperity, the courage to get what you want out of this life, the clarity to know what that is, the imagination to not sell yourself short, and the discipline to see it through.